Hey guys, welcome to the Improvement Podcast, where the mission is to help young men find clarity and fulfillment in their lives through the pursuit of purpose. On today's episode, we have another special guest. He is a life coach, career coach, yoga and meditation teacher, and the founder of Humescence. His name is John Marshall. Thank you for coming to the show, John. Thanks for having me, brother. It's good to be here. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to the interview today, man. And uh, just to give Mm -hmm. the listeners a little bit more information about you, could you tell them more about what you do? Of course, of course. So it's it's been a long transition, right? So a couple of years ago, I was working at I was working at ExxonMobil in energy as in a in a sales career. But then through that this whole process, that really adds to the career part of my business. But as a life coach and career coach, that's been a really big transition for me and one that I absolutely love. It's been something about like this discovering exactly what I love to do and what I want to do for the rest of my life. So that's been a part of it. And then Humescence really is a workplace culture evolution company. Like when in my previous life, in my corporate career, I did see a lot of things where there were values on the wall and behaviors that didn't reflect them. And I started to see that through a lot of different businesses, a lot of different organizations. And I always wondered, you know, what is that route to positive, long lasting behavior change coaching? So that's when I went and did two different coach certifications. So through the Life Purpose Institute out of San Diego, Well, well Coaches School of Coaching. So I'm a certified life coach, certified health and wellness coach through both of those organizations. And I've been teaching yoga meditation now for five years. So I teach locally at a studio here in Houston, Big Power Yoga. I'm also a publisher on the global platform Insight Timer for meditation. So you can check out my profile on there and uh, and follow along if you want to listen in to some pre-recorded medica- meditations, as well as I host a live guided meditation every Monday morning at 7 a.m. to help professionals kick off their week for work. So I guess that's a lot about the different hats that I wear and transitioning from my old career to now, but humescence, the mission is to drive that positive behavior change through organizations and help individuals live more fulfilling lives through increasing all the different areas of their life that lead to flourishing. Right. It's, and that's the coaching part of it. The organization part of it, we have leadership development programs that, are from developing leaders individually, working with their training and development organizations to help them have a development planning process and even running that process for corporations. And then also have workshop experiences, those kind of one-time lunch and learns, half-day retreats, anything that these organizations want to do. And all of the programs are at the intersection of personal and professional development. So when a company hires us on to do work, you're going to get something that your employees makes an impact in the office, but then also something that your employees can take home with them. So we think that really the future of workplace culture is learning more and developing more as a whole human, as opposed to just keeping this life separate from my personal life, because there's just more and more hours being spent in the office and like, why not have it add to your overall fulfillment while you're there? Right. Right. And 
Yeah. And a lot of that is really starting to live those behaviors that reflect the culture that you want to create. And that's the mission here at, at Humescence. Okay. Okay. And it sounds like you'd be like the perfect person to get into something like this since you uh, were in corporate at one point in time and you kind of had the same experience that you're talking about. You're trying to help other people get out of, you could say. And so I can see how you kind of got into what you do now. And another question I have to follow up on that is uh, what do you think the, uh, the final catalyst was that led to you taking this path? Oh, and there were, there were many signs along the way. I actually started the, so I formed the LLC back in 2018. So this idea has been alive and slowly moving forward for a few years now, but it's been fully launched and running as, as a full entity taking on clients since kind of the very beginning of 2021. So mm-hmm. while I was taking on some things personally and one-on-one engagements under the, under the humescence name, now we're really starting to grow into the organization that it's been meant to be from the beginning, but it took me really stepping out of corporate full-time. And that was my last day was the day before my birthday in 2021, actually April 28th, 2021. And that the final step was I had, I had entered into a new job there and I was starting to learn, I was starting to learn the new job, starting to get with the new customers that I had. And at the same time, I had launched Humescence publicly in February or January. And I was, I was approached about, I was approached about the business and they're like, Oh, well, what is this? We didn't see this reported. Um, is there like, is there any conflict of interest or anything? We have to register this. And I was, I was taken aback one because of the way that it was approached just aggressively and kind of inhumane and two that it was getting that much attention already that that many people that it had made it back to management at Exxon that this existed. So that made me sit back and think, man, with one soft launch, a couple Instagram posts and a, a barely functional website is getting noticed like this. And so do I want to sit here and continue learning this role and invest in moving up in the corporation to, you know, what looked like some pretty high levels within the next three to five years. And I was like, don't want to make that commitment or do I want to commit to myself? And that's when I decided to commit to myself and place the bet on myself. And now here I am about a year and a half later. And I guess a year and a half later after the soft launch and I'm not looking back. It's an interesting story. And uh, I like to know, how did you uh, how did you come to the conclusion that this would be your life purpose or at least like the way that you would channel your purpose doing the coaching? Oh, man. Oh, this is great. So. I was introduced to coaching by one of my one of my mentors who I love and appreciate uh, Sonia Ware, and 
she introduced us us saying i was actually on the board of a startup nonprofit that she did a a strategy session a strategy session for and i really enjoyed the way that she took us through everything and we stayed connected from there but then i ended up doing a workshop with her after i called and told her about the idea and how i wanted to move forward with humescence and how i wanted to make cause this organizational change and she mentioned to me about coaching and like how that is the path to this sustained behavior change and i had done my research but then i co-led a workshop with her with about 30 leaders across the us air force globally and she it was a 3-day workshop called leading through crisis and i led the mindful leadership portion of it so incorporating the yoga mindfulness like a lot of the a lot of the research behind creating the distance between stimulus and response so you can make decisions from your values and decisions from who you want to be as opposed to just reacting to what's happening in the room or what's happening in front of you so i led that um that one day of the workshop and got great feedback from that great feedback from sonia all the participants and that was kind of the reassurance that like this is the path and that was more group training and workshop style event but then i started getting into the one on one coaching piece of it a little bit more after that and then i started and i started a program through <clears throat> through the beginning of the year and so i'd say that that one event there was a catalyst to know that humescence needed to exist and that was and that was a mission first first thing that I'm that I do like that gets that well received and just planned on based a lot of the information that I've read and a lot of the experience that I've had with mindfulness and so I said wow if I expanded on this imagine what it could become if I continued my learning and development on this path imagine what it could become and that's what I did it started with books I've constantly invested in programs I've been in different training programs since 2017 starting with yoga training there was 500 hours there and I'm almost racking up to 200 hours of coach training now on top of that in the uh the program that I'm in right now so so that's one point another point was I was nominated to do like a TEDx style forum at ExxonMobil when I was there and I was actually nominated by the students that I taught in my yoga class there. So I taught at the wellness center at the campus. Mm -hmm. And I was actually nominated to do the talk based off some of the things that I would share in class and just the way that I carry myself there and through and throughout the uh throughout the campus as well. And so I did that talk on the power of self-reflection, the power of setting your goals, being intentional and how this time that I took for myself outside of the business like investing in my own personal development has really changed the way I went about my personal and professional life so i gave the talk on that it was called spend your energy like currency you can look it up on youtube still and after giving that talk the the feedback that i got from that was so amazing just the people that were impacted the people that mentioned that they made different decisions that they started questioning things in their own life that they 
started investing in themselves more. And a lot of the feedback I got from that was the second confirmation that, man, this there's really something here. And, and it's definitely my purpose to continue this work. So those are the two things. The third thing's a little funny, kind of like a, a, not, not a coincidence. There are no coincidences. But when I was growing up, I always said, because um, you know, I grew up in like humble beginnings and it was always, you know, you're good at this, you're you're good in these classes. So here are the degrees that make the most money and go study that and you know you'll be you'll be good to go. Right. So I was good at math and science. Um, that was like my thing that came natural to me, yet I wouldn't say that it was everything that I enjoyed. And I remember saying, I remember saying, it's so funny. I remember saying, if all this engineering and finance stuff doesn't work out. So my, my undergraduate is in energy engineering and energy business finance. So two bachelor's degrees from Penn state. And I said, if, if all that doesn't work out, I would love to just come back here or go to some high school and be a physics teacher and a football coach and life would be grand and I'd be, I'd be good. And it turned out that, uh, you know, what is it? 12, 15, like, I guess, since I was thinking that almost 15 years later, I'm a yoga meditation teacher and a life and career coach. So it's like so it's coaching in some like, type of way, right? <laughs> right. So it was teacher and a coach, even from back in the day. And I didn't even realize what that could mean in the future that I could take my professional life, that I could take my own development and investing in myself as a teacher and myself as a coach to actually make an impact on people in a even more profound way later in their lives. And you know, I think it's, it's still, it's still to say, even though I'm doing it in a different field, the, some of the teachers and coaches that I had back then, you know, were some of the greatest mentors and influences in my life. So I think it's, I think those are two, two roles in life, like no matter where you're at, that you can adopt and make a difference. So a teacher and a coach in any respect. Thank you for that. And mm -hmm. speaking of what you teach and coach, you mentioned that you're a yoga meditation teacher. And the question I like to ask is, uh, what made you get into that? What made oh. you concentrate your uh, your coaching and teaching in that area? Oh, this is this is great. So the teaching in the in the yoga meditation space, I so I've always I was always drawn towards Eastern philosophy, even growing up. Like growing up. I read, I read books on Bruce Lee, like not about, not about his fighting style and everything about the letters he wrote, the philosophy that he had, the way that he went about living his life and, and thinking and the way he thought about different things that different esoteric questions and existential questions that he would ask himself and answer. And it was really beautiful. And I think I was reading those books when I was, I don't even know, middle school or younger. Mm -hmm. And then I was actually, I was actually handed a copy 
of the Bhagavad Gita by one of my best friends in high school. And which is kind of a classic of a classic of Indian philosophy and really a classic of all Eastern philosophy. When you think about the key themes and concepts in that book, but so just kind of by pure, the universe, just granting me that gift, it really sparked my interest even more. And then when I was at Penn state, I took an Eastern philosophy class as well. So that really expanded my knowledge on Eastern philosophy and the way to look at the world, because in the U S here, like all of our systems, our civilization, our culture, society was all founded and influenced by Western philosophy. So Americans baseline, like only know how to think with one mind, the Western philosophy mind. So kind of like ancient, you know, Europe, and then to explore this deep on the Eastern side of things, it expanded my perspective so much that it's, it was hard to communicate to the rest of the people around me what I was experiencing and what it meant to me. So I still continued on that path. But at the same time, I loved the physicalness of working out, like the physicality of, you know, of cardio anaerobic exercise of lifting weights of playing sports so i had played almost every sport you can name growing up uh football was the main sport though for sure and when so that was the way that i knew how to work out right was running lifting that's pretty much it that's what we did through through college and then I had I was invited to yoga a few times towards the end of college, just at just after graduating. And I remember being so not open to it. Just being so closed-minded, like, no, that's that's okay. You know, that's just kind of like where girls go to stretch. I'm good. I'm good. Just kind of like so blind to what the possibilities that it had. Like, why are so many people were doing this? Why would I not just see what it's about? Anyway, that went on through the time I lived in D.C. Then I moved to Houston and an ex-girlfriend at the time. Well, I guess a girlfriend at the time, like she had asked me to go to yoga for, I don't even know, a year, year and a half or something. And I'd said, no, no, no. One day. She's like, you have to come to the studio. You have to come to this class. I went to uh, another local Houstonian, amazing, amazing guy, creator, Juan Valentine. I went to his class at Big Power Yoga. His, I think it was his 8 p.m. class. I'll tell you what, there was like 100 people in that room. And there were, it was, I don't even know how hot it got. 100 people. But, is it hot yoga or is it regular oh, yeah. yoga and it just got hot? No, no, it's hot yoga. So okay, hot so yoga hot yoga and, on top of having 100 people in the class with you. Oh, it was Matt to Matt. It was that Matt sounds, to Matt in the room. Sounds ridiculous. I've been to Black and, Swan a few times, so I kind of yeah. had like a reference point. So yeah. I can only imagine how hot it would get with 100 people in there. Yeah, it was. I mean, back back then, that class, it was Matt to Matt. And that, that studio at capacity can hold almost 100. So I... um. I looked, 
I just looked around. I'm like, wow. I mean, the energy in the room was palpable. I went through, I went through the flow and it, I'll tell you what, it kicked my ass, man. Like hardcore. Mm-hmm. so much so i sweated so much it was so physical yet at the same time so connected both mind and body like and including some of that it was the way to merge the physicalness that i loved and the eastern philosophy that had changed my perspective so much that i was incorporating in a lot of different aspects of my life and this was the way to merge both of those so I walked out of that classroom, like, well, let's say I stumbled out of that classroom. I had lost so I'd lost so much water and I was so exhausted. I could barely drive home, but I went to the desk and immediately signed up for their program, their 40 days of yoga program, where you had to go five days a week, one group meeting a week. And I really took the time out to invest in myself, to do everything that went with the program, the meditations, the yoga the group meetings, the reflection journaling, the book that we read through the 40 days and that program. And I don't know if it was just the program itself or just taking 40 days where I was committed to something to invest in myself and take time out of just running the rat race and really stepping into every challenge in my corporate career. And because, you know, there were late nights and a lot of a lot of drive there and to take that time every day to invest in myself was extremely profound and the lessons that came from the teachers from the book from the journal prompts from immersing myself in the practice immediately with no background it was so transformational that within the next couple of months i was like you know what I'm going to do teacher training. Why not? Mm-hmm. So I always give people this, this stat and it shows when I, when I love something and something feels right, I'm all in like right away. So I took my first class January of 2017 and I taught my first class January of 2018. And I've been teaching ever since every week. Okay. And you say that that was all from, uh, from you studying Eastern philosophy, right? That well, sparked started, your interest to eventually get into it. Well, I'd say that, I'd say that the Eastern philosophy was in the background and it was something that I enjoyed in my life, just a perspective that I enjoyed having about life. But then the ex-girlfriend that drugged me to the studio is the catalyst that got me practicing and teaching yoga. So she dragged me to the studio. I went in, it was an amazing experience. Then I did that 40 days program and went right into teacher training. So it was like a a catalyst there. There were, I'd say there were some catalysts to the Eastern philosophy back when I was younger. And then the catalyst to the practice was, um, being dragged to that class that day. And I'm so happy she took me there because it, it definitely changed the course of my life in a very profound way. So If you haven't practiced yoga before, all your listeners, uh, get in the studio and set set any judgments or expectations aside. Just let the practice do its work and just be on your mat. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the reason why I brought up the Eastern philosophy again 
is because what I would imagine anyway is that from gaining that new perspective, like you said, I'm sure that you came to uh, some interesting realizations about Western culture and then you probably even compared the two. And so uh, what would you say was um, how would you say it changed your perspective of Western culture whenever you started to uh, have something to compare it to hand in hand? Oh, man, this the first thought that comes to my mind is the concept of attachment. Mm -hmm. I say in the West, we're so attached to the outcome to the award, to the degree, to the, the, the accolades, the praise, having the materials, you know, getting the new car. Well, but now there's a new model. So I need the new car. Well, now this iPhone has a better camera. Like I won't be satisfied until I have that. And in this drive, like, wow, I feel it drives inherent American technological progress. I believe leads to a lot of misery. And so the concept of attachment in the East is that that attachment is really what creates is the basis of all human suffering. So it's not that you go about life in an apathetic, disinterested, non-engaged way, right? That it's like, well, I'm not attached to anything. I'm, I guess I'll just, you know, have a farm and chill. Right. It's not, it's not like that. Yeah. I'm it's not about... really the farming type. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's, it's more, it's more about releasing those expectations and the need for the accolades, the need for the award and doing your duty for duty's sake to enjoy the process, to be a part of the journey and present as you take your steps along this path and know that it's, whether it's your purpose, your duty, the commitments that you make. And there's this whole concept of commitments and humans ability to commit is actually extremely divine. And, you know, some of the Eastern deities or an Eastern deity would incarnate in order to experience this, in order to experience the transitory nature of a nature of life, right? Mm -hmm. The fact, <clears throat> right, the fact that we do have an end to this, the fact that we do die is kind of what drives the sense of duty while we're here, right? We have this timetable to make the most of our experience, yet at the same time, be a part of the experience, enjoy the experience, the ups, the downs, like noticing you can't have the good without the bad. You know, you can't enjoy and appreciate a beautiful day without the darkest storms, right? There are, there are a lot of things that when you're living for some future that is not here, how will you enjoy that future when you get there? Because you'll just be living for another future later on. And I feel that the West is, and really just not even just the West, but that thought, and especially as things get faster, more materialistic, more connected, more efficient, you know, more in your face with social media and everything, it's 
that drive for more and now it's now they're even you know monetizing that attention like to keep your mind out of the present moment and enjoying your experience of life is worth something now like that attention economy is what people are you know what these companies are selling now right so it's i'd say it's a big drive of driver of the whole world and progress but i think to incorporate some of the eastern vision in that and some of that old older philosophy is to go along with it is to not hold back progress yet be able to take a breath step back and enjoy where you are right it's the whole concept of being where you are being present the quality of your awareness right i would say that in the west the quality like the western ideal is you know the quality of your awareness is on what are you doing what is your output how are you producing right how efficient are you being set your set your emotions aside we have to work you know set set a lot of the time aside set enjoying life and you know the dance aside it's time to work but you know that's why you see you know a lot of folks waking up midlife being like huh you know i guess i've arrived you know and it's really not all that not all that was cracked up to be so where was i the last you know 20 30 years you weren't there you were living in some future that's not there so i'd say that that is the biggest life-changing concept that i've incorporated into my life is taking time to be there appreciate the people in your life be grateful for the things that you have take on and be very okay with reality as it is and not as you would like it to be so i think that difference you know when when reality is different than the picture that we had of it and how we want it to be is like where that suffering comes in right but being okay with it accepting where you're at and not again not indifferently accepting where you're at knowing where you want to go but yet appreciating everything that you have in the moment that you're in so you talked about being present and you also mentioned uh not being attached to let's say the outcome but being attached to the duty and in a way i feel like religion has kind of filled that space maybe for like a lot of people in the east and like you had slightly mentioned like deities and, and that sort of thing and that's something i noticed at least from the little bit that i do know about eastern culture that uh religion seems to kind of play uh into that role of uh finding finding duty uh would you say that you've noticed something similar you know it's it's interesting like when i say some of the deities and the philosophy and it's like a lot of the east is philosophy and religion are kind of the same thing mm-hmm. you know when you think about you know when you think about buddhism right there is there's no deity like the buddha was siddhartha gautama he was a man who reached enlightenment right so that it's 
in the West, it's referred to a lot as a religion and, you know, it's, but I believe that a lot of the religion and philosophy is synonymous, right? When it comes to being applied to your life. But when you're saying, when you're saying attached to the outcome and outcome and religion being tied together, what do you, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Or what are you trying to get out there? Just so I'm a little bit more clear. So what I was pointing at is, is this. So when I think of outcome, I think of trophy, like you said, status, reaching goals, that sort of thing. But then when I think of duty, uh, it has kind of like a service connotation mm-hmm. to me. And I know at least one big element of Christianity, you know, people strive to be like Jesus. Jesus was a servant. He washed people's feet. Uh, he went out and spread the news to people. And he he pretty much what the commandments, what's, what you're commanded to do in the Bible is to use your life to be a light to other people. And so that yes. duty kind of becomes the focus in a way, I guess, with religion, as opposed to let's see what I can do for me. Let's see what numbers I can get with this. What can I make happen? So that's more so like the connotation that popped into my head whenever and I was that, thinking about it. Yes, that is I love I love the way that you just encapsulated Christianity, the philosophy of it, because that I that I wholeheartedly believe in that it was, you know, that that Jesus Christ, the image at which we were supposed to we're supposed to live our lives to be of service. Right. And that's the and it's a similar correlation with what we mentioned for the religion philosophies of the East of being of service, doing your duty would be called your Dharma, like your life's duty, your life purpose is kind of regard is referred to as Dharma kind of like a deeper, a deeper sense of duty. And I love what you said in, in being of service, because everything that you do and the rewards that you get can be secondary. Like they are byproducts of being of service the the most the most rewarded individuals that are at the same time fulfilled in life that are at the same time happy with their work are those that are providing value or those that are being of service and whether that is monetary rewards recognition like that comes as a byproduct of loving what you do and giving right and refining your gifts and talents to improve your offer, to improve the value that you deliver to your customers, your clients, your students, whatever it may be. But it's loving the process of refining that, of delivering that, and in being fully present in your duty, your dharma, your service is where that happiness lies for the worker, for the doer, for the awardee. Yet without, and that's, and that's being it. So being fully present in that, but then as soon as you start to do something for the reward, as soon as you change that aim, that's when people start circumventing the value they provide when the money becomes the goal or the award becomes the goal or the end becomes the goal, that's when you start cutting corners. 
mm-hmm. right? People can start cutting corners in their work to get towards the end. But when you're in the process, you know, and you want to enjoy and you value the, the service that you provide and your work here, your duty here on this earth, then you are like, that's, that's heaven on earth, man. Would you, would you go as far as to say that, that maybe the absence of religion in Western culture is one of the main things leading to us having these issues that we have in in our society? You know, it's funny that this conversation has taken such a turn to religion and spirituality. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have expected that. Me neither. um, (laughs) Yet here we are. Right. Uh, I, I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say the lack. I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of different factors at play there. Um, But I think. hmm, The lack of religion and spirituality. I think it's, I, I, I wouldn't even classify it as that. I would say that there is there is a lack of meaning i would say that in the past there were more people connected to religion and spirituality as a sense of purpose belonging meaning like a community meaning in the purpose of life or meaning in work or meaning in your connections but i think that is a whole there's a whole bunch of factors to that like the sense of community that is falling apart that everyone's kind of like building these walls building these walls around them you know themselves their families and you know don't step on my property but you know in the past it was you know my my grandfather tells me stories of you know walking down the street it starts raining and someone every everyone in the neighborhood opens the door like come come in no stay for dinner like they don't even know you but you're a kid in the neighborhood and it's raining you know i couldn't imagine something like that happening today right Mm -hmm. it's don't talk to strangers we don't know that sense of community has kind of fallen and there are you know there are places bringing that back there are even online communities that are forming that are you know bringing bringing some of that stuff back but that that sense of connection that came from even whether it be churches being a place of gathering or you know another sense of community but then when it comes to right meaning and and purpose in life and like finding something else to dedicate yourself to i think that you know there are there's meaning and connection in that positive relationships there's meaning that can be found in work in your duty your dharma I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of jobs as well have been like, have been disconnected from an overall purpose. They've been so specialized down to a specific task or specific niche that, you know, in the grand scheme of the machine that may be a larger company or a manufacturing site or something like that, that you become, has become such a small piece that you lose sight of the overall vision of what you're contributing to. And I think that's a big part of meaning and purpose is seeing what you're contributing to, like 
the larger purpose, the the direction, the direction of your organization, the direction of your life, where are you taking those steps towards? And I think that there's been a lot of there's been a loss of vision for that overall bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been contributing to a lot of it. And I mean, there's really a, just a, a loneliness epidemic too, man. Like, you know, I, I think something that feeds into that in the West mm-hmm. and, you know, you may agree or disagree, but this is at least something that I've noticed from the, the little bit of studying that I've done on this to like kind of look into it. But in a way, I feel like, the melting pot idea, you know, like of what America is, while it does have its benefits, I think they're trade-offs to everything. I don't think there's ever like an ideal or like a perfect situation. And I think maybe one of the trade-offs, one of the cons that comes with living in a place like America where anybody and everybody is accepted and can do their own thing is that I think it more so leads to those sorts of problems. Because let's say like if you lived in a in a country uh, that was like a little bit more homogenous, right? You have a much stronger sense of community because everyone sees the person near them is, Oh, they're like me because most likely they would, they do the same traditions. They celebrate the same holidays. They probably have a, a similar base of values that they, that they identify with, you know, language, all of that. Like, let's see, like if someone is like from Norway or, or anywhere like that, they have a very homogenous culture. All the people kind of look the same. And so in a way it's easy for them to identify and maybe not have that loneliness, maybe not have it to where uh, they don't have that community because, you know, they see everybody as them. And, but then when you get to a place like the, like the U S or let's say maybe like Canada in the West, literally everybody that you see on the street is probably completely different from you in some sort of way. And in a way, while we do have that Liberty to do what we want to do, I think the trade-off comes where you kind of have to search for those people, like you said, in online communities and things to find them because they're not going to be readily available right there near you. You know, I mean, I think that, I think that's a factor, but I think it's also people losing the ability to communicate. Mm -hmm. I think it's people losing the ability to, to, immerse yourself in a diverse culture like that because of the people that are around you because now you have the ability to not immerse yourself with people that are directly around you but pull back and find the online community that is like you mm-hmm. or pull back to find you know an online community of random of avatars right or but i think that i think that having the communication to interact with those people around you, right? To acknowledge the people that you see on a daily basis, even seeing more people on a daily basis. I think getting some of that communication back would be key to bridging that gap. So when, when we talk about the sense of the sense of connection and, you know, and empathy and understanding people's feelings, needs, like being able to truly communicate with people. I think that, I think that people are even losing the ability to communicate their own feelings and needs and just to, you know, express themselves in that way to be known because we've been, we've been on this, you know, I'm a get mine movement for a long time. 
And I think that's really driven by the, you know, the outcome, the capitalist nature of going, going after getting yours. Like, you know, mm -hmm. don't, I'm, I'm gonna worry about me and mine, you know, you know, everything what's going on next door or that happening in the next state or whatever, like, you know, doesn't step into my fence, not work. Don't worry about it. And I think that mentality is what is leading is the main cause of everything that we're, of what we're just talking about right now. Right. It and, very well could be. I think that's right. a valid point. And it's, but, but I'm, and I'm not saying, you know, don't strive for something more. Like I've been determined and working to grow and build things my, my whole life. And I will continue to, I love and enjoy the process of learning and bettering myself and understanding myself better and understanding the world, how the world works better, understanding business, understand, like I, I love navigating all of those different fields and growing in that respect. So I'm not saying, you know, don't go after what you want to don't go after a desire but it's, you know, I am saying, you know, acknowledge those along the way, you know, acknowledge, acknowledge the moments along the way, acknowledge people that are in different places than you. They're not any less than you. They're not any more than you. They're human. You know, I've had talks with presidents, CEOs, COOs, like I've had, you know, I've had talks with, you know, just servicemen like service members that are just you know that are working other service jobs and things and like everyone's human everyone wants the same thing everyone deserves your respect so i think i think if you and you know going kind of going back to all the different religious tenets right whether it's christianity or one some in the east you know mm -hmm. if you're living if you're living your life like that, you know, treating your neighbor, you know, as you would want to be treated, as you would want to be spoken about, then, you know, then I think you kind of get rid of that, um, that I'm going to get me and worry about me and mine only concept. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so now that we're coming up short on time, I usually like to end interviews with one question. Mm -hmm. And so what I like to ask you, just really quick to wrap it up is, and it doesn't have to be related to anything we talked about today, but what would you say is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Oh, that's a good one. The best piece of advice that I've ever been given. Hmm. Or read. It could be from a book. Yeah. Yeah. There's just been so much, there's been so much good advice and or like maybe the one that you shaped your life around if you had to think of like the one phrase or like the one piece of advice where it had the biggest impact on the way that your life has turned out like what would it be hmm. it would be it would just be a very simple you can attitude that it's really it's really just a piece of advice that, you know, this, this too shall pass. Mm -hmm. Keep your head up, keep your head up, keep moving. 
one step at a time. Everything that is related to every little piece of advice like that, that's related to the present moment and taking small steps, noticing the small steps along the way, I'd say has been the biggest driver of things in my life. And, you know, really to notice the incremental nature of all your work to see it all play out. And, and so I'd say, you know, on the, on the work side and on the, and what created where I'm at today, that's it. But then I'd say on the, you know, on the life side, you know, on, on the enjoyment of life side of things is foster the connections that you have. I put work into the relationships that mean something to you the the people that you can call in the middle of the night if you have a bad dream like that stuff is truly invaluable and you know you can't you can't put a price on those key relationships you have in your life so if you've been waiting to call someone that you haven't called in a long time but it feels awkward just call them if you need to spend some money or make it at a point to you know go visit someone that's really important to you every so often make it happen, put it on the calendar, like make it part of your effort and you will always be happy. So I'd say, yeah, foster those deep connections and relationships in your life. Thank you for that. Of course. And so guys, that wraps up another episode of the Improvement Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you listen to it on. And if you like to find more content, make sure to go to himprovementpodcast.com. That is himprovementpodcast.com. And uh, also, if you're interested in John's services, John, where could they find you? Yeah, visit humessence.com. So all social media is at humessence. So H-U-M essence can find us there and schedule consultations. Check me out anywhere there. So I'd love to connect with you guys and really has been a pleasure. I really appreciate you having me on the podcast and, you know, I'm excited for, I'm excited for everything that you're bringing to the listeners, man. Keep doing the work that you're doing. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. Take Mm -hmm. care. All right.